Alright, three, two, one. How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to Nerd Stuff with Ian 2.0 podcast. And as always, I'm your host, Ian. And I figured it's been a long time coming. I figured I've talked about this book enough. And I figured I would finally talk about Nailbiter. And I will honestly say it's probably been one of my favorite independent books. And it's written by Josh it's written by Josh Williamson and Mike Henderson. They both do contribute, but Mike Henderson's the primary artist. And the original first, so you have Nailbiter, and then you have the continuation series, the sequel series called Nailbiter Returns. And to me, I always thought it was an interesting concept that Joshua Williamson came up with. So this is the synopsis I'm going to go over and read off to you guys real quick. The series centers around the fictional town of Buckaroo, Oregon, which produced 16 of the United States' worst serial killers. Its most recent creation, Edward Charles Warren, otherwise known as Nailbiter. Due to his predilection, or pretty much his fetish, and or I guess the other term for it would be, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll stick with fetish or love of chewing off his victim's nails and part of their flesh. By the series start, Warren has been caught by the FBI agent Charles Carroll. However, Carroll has now has since gone missing, leading up to his friend and NSA agent Nicholas Finch to search for him. Nicholas decides to start a search in Buckaroo where he begins to question why a small town has produced so many murderers. And that's as crazy as it seems. It's a very simple, yet very complex concept. And that's what I really appreciate about Joshua Williamson when he when he's been writing Nailbiter. You know, for people who are kind of curious, he's also, or he was the Flash writer for a while. He also still currently does Batman and Superman. He does a lot of DC books as of late. And he does do a couple other creator-owned. But Nailbiter and The Flash were usually his top two that most people know of. And for me, I felt like Nailbiter just... It scratched the itch I didn't know I wanted. and that I actually shouldn't even know I wanted. Scratched the itch I didn't know I had. In the course of, you know, giving you this crazy small town full of serial killers... You know, this concept of what's really going on here. You know, the more you unravel, more you, you know, you pull one string, the more you unravel to this even crazier idea of, you know, are are they made? Or is someone, you know, intentionally just picking kids at random to make them this way? And it just goes through all these different, you know, concepts and just crazy ideas to really and truly make you as the reader be like, yo, this is this is pretty nuts. And it does it in a way where you never feel as though you're bored with the story. I took my time with the story at first just because I was like, I knew if I really went hard in the paint on it, I would ultimately go through it too quickly and I might miss some details, at least to myself. And that's probably the biggest suggestion I say to most people with certain books, particularly with this one. 
is there's a lot of stuff Josh Williamson packs into it that you want to remember as you read the story. Whether it's rereading it a second time, you know, really thinking about why does he present this, why does he present that, and just seeing how he's built it up. You know, realistically, it's only a 30-issue book. You know, it's been it finished up in 2017, at least the first run. Now you have, I think you're up to issue four or five with Nailbiter Returns. And ultimately, it just stays consistent throughout the entirety of its run. And I'm kind of surprised it doesn't get more notoriety among comic book fans, in my opinion. Taking in the fact that it deals with, you know, crime and horror and deals with serial killers. Like, honestly, one of my favorite, you know, arcs, and this, I'm just going to stick with the first volume within the first 10 issues because I got the... I have Nailbiter Volume 1, the murder edition of that. And all fun stuff. And with it, I'm going to stick with that particularly just because I don't want to jump further on. But it's one that I feel like was an interesting story to throw in there. And Joshua Williamson found a way to... I'm assuming he probably got permission from Brian Michael Bendis to throw this in there. But yeah, Brian Michael Bendis coming to town... As a comic book writer trying to, you know, drum up ideas for a future comic book. And he did it in such a way that it just, it broke the fourth wall in a very weird meta way of knowing that he was writing, him as a comic book writer, writing a story about another comic book writer coming to Buckaroo to try and come up with new ideas for, you know, a comic book about serial killers, you know, that really truly encapsulated a lot of what he, what he thought. And I thought that was a very intriguing idea. And I liked the fact that it was a creator-owned book, that he was, you know, Image let him have that. And I always thought that was a very cool, like, it's a story within it. It doesn't spoil anything. Realistically, I'm not... I chose that one because it's the safest one to talk about. While really, while where if you look at it, you're like, oh, once I read that story, now that makes more sense. Since when anybody's worried about spoilers, I've not spoiled anything. I intentionally want to make this one a very fun one for people. Because, to me, I feel as though this is one of those stories that you have to read for yourself. Like, everybody who I've told about this story, everybody who I've let read the book, or at least read the books, they've been like, yo, I, I need to read the next one. Like, they want to read it because it's so well written and the artwork's just great. You know, Josh Williamson, again, he, he just knocks it out the park with the writing. And just with his character development and the idea of the story and everything that goes with it, he in a lot of ways, makes it something that you can tell it's his love letter to crime stories. That's kind of how I feel about it. Is It was his love letter to crime stories that I'm more surprised that, or at least I probably need to read more of his Flash run, but I never really felt like he really, at least to me, played too much on it. But I know when he was able to write The Button, which is like a small 
you know, crossover event between The Flash and Batman, which I really enjoyed. You know, it dealt with, you know, the comedian's button that came in after, you know, the first issue of DC Rebirth. And really, Batman picked it up, and they've been investigating ever since. Now, it was an early concept for DC Rebirth to really investigate. It was to get everybody hyped, but still. That was, you know, the initial idea. Now, I bring that up is... Josh Williamson is that level of a writer. He knows how to put intrigue. He knows how to get you guys to come back. And that's why I always feel as though with a lot of his writing, I can usually tell somebody, like, yeah, if you if you really want to be get into more of his stories, he's not just a DC guy. You know, he's written for a lot of people. You know, give it a shot. You know, he's written Predator. He's for Dark Horse, you know. He's got his DC stuff with the Flash, which people can argue his Flash run might be one of the best of all time. To some people, because he truly loves the Flash as a character and he always wanted to write him. He's also worked for Marvel. He did a couple different Marvel titles. And then, you know, of course, he's done Image, where it's been most of his primary books, like from Nailbiter to Birthright. You know, he's done a couple different, you know, creator-owned projects within Image. And then you have Mike Henderson's artwork, who I will say his artwork just was a good... To me, I felt like it it matched it perfectly. And it, it's kind of weird to put it that way. But it was a good, you know, crime noir feel to it without being, you know, the usual black and white kind of, you know, colors and images... But you could tell, you know, they weren't looking for exaggerations or anything like that. It was realistic, but to a cartoon realistic. Where, yeah, you knew you were reading a comic book. You're not getting this hyper-realistic, like, you know, like how you see with uh, with some, you know, comic book covers or comic book artists where you'll see, like, this crazy over-the-top, you know, like, 20-pack abs. They look a certain way. This, he very much, you know... He does it simple, at the same time, it just, it fit the writing. And you could tell with how his artwork flowed throughout the story that only benefit, they benefited each other. And you could tell they really did collaborate on the book. And that was, to me, probably the best feature of that, of reading Nailbiter. And how, you know, to me, I feel like it's, really one of those stories that truly does deserve the recognition that I believe it deserves. You know, you can collect either the trade paperbacks, which are like the six trade paperbacks they have currently, or you can get the murder editions, which is essentially it's three volumes, they're hardcover, and those are just sweet in themselves. Like, they... <laughs> I don't know how I want to describe it. Like, it's, like, black with red, and you have skulls. You have different things that he, that Josh Williamson and Mike Henderson came up with, you know, from the story. And they put them on the cover, and I just thought that was cool, and that was something different. And to me, like, it's, it forces me to be like, yo, now i got to collect only the hardcovers. I can't, you know, collect just the paperbacks. Like, I, I want to collect the hardcovers. Because they're just that good. They just look amazing. So, that's just, to me, that, that just set it over the top.
Now, I'm going to throw out this one. This is something I don't really do all that often. Do I feel like there's really any flaws with how the story's written? I personally don't, due to the fact that, at least for me, you know, you're, you're of course, you're getting, you know, your run-of-the-mill, you know, Silence of the Lambs criminal, you know, serial killer story. You know, everybody's kind of used to that concept. And to me, that's what I appreciate what Josh Williamson did. He, he played on that, then flipped it on its head. In certain aspects. And I think he did well enough job of doing that. Now, do I feel like he overdid it or anything like that? Not really. I feel as though it's... Really, I don't really have any nitpicks in particular for the story. I mean, yeah, you know, there's just some random stuff that was thrown in there. Particularly, when I brought up the Brian Michael Bendis, you know, the comic book writer coming into town to, you know, investigate... You know, serial killer to get ideas for for a serial killer comic book he wants to write. Is that you know a meta commentary that was needed to be put in there by him? Probably not. Did it progress the story and make it something a little interesting? It did for the issue, but do I think that at the end of the day, if he just didn't do that, would it have been a would it have been any better or worse for it? To be honest, I don't think it would have. I thought it was a cool way of, you know, giving you as the reader an idea to, you know, poke fun at, you know, Brian Michael Bendis a little bit. You know, see, you know, maybe how crazy certain comic book writers could really be. And I thought that was a fun, playful thing for Josh Williamson along with Brian Michael Bendis to really be able to do. And I think that... Overall, that's why I don't hate on it for that. Do I believe it? Again, do I believe it should could it be taken out easily? Yeah, you worry, don't have to worry about reading that story. But at the same time, it's a fun story to read. You know, having him come across the nail-biter, serial killer, and him freaking out, and him not knowing how to feel, and just you could tell the tension in that room is just there, and... You know, of course, he, of course, they had to meet. It's not really much spoilers. But he played on that. And I thought that, again, that was a good sense of giving you guys, you know, an idea on a realm of just that meta feel while at the same time sticking to the story and not ever making you feel as though it, it truly was, you never felt like it was a filler issue. I guess the best way I want to put that out there. And I don't feel as though they're... With a lot of comic books, you can kind of tell when some are filler issues. And with this, I felt as though... Even if you felt like it was a filler issue... He found a way to make that filler issue make sense to it. And I appreciate it about that. That's what I really appreciate about... You know... Nailbiter, at the end of the day, is that... Josh Williamson and Mike Mike Henderson, they they very much stay tight knit, and again, they never truly went crazy with it. They made sure they had a singular focus 
They played with concepts. They made it better. They made you as the reader have to really think and pay attention to the story. And it benefited from it. And I think that's why, arguably, I'm going to say it's probably been... If I'm going to put it in there, I'm going to probably say it's probably within my top five favorite comic book runs of all time, at least to me, or at least comic books. You know, I will... I will put it up there in top five. I will definitely... Number one, I will, and this I'll just kind of go off on a quick one, just kind of give you guys my top five. So, number one, I will, of course, have to give that to Jeff Johns Green Lantern, because that just, he knocked out the park, and because of his writing, I found myself, you know, becoming a bigger Green Lantern fan, just personally. That's just kind of how that went. Then, underneath that, I was actually a pretty decent fan. I guess I sh you know, I shouldn't even say a decent fan of it. I really did enjoy Chris Caramont's X-Men. That'd be number two for me. Number three. I, hmm. Hmm. This one be interesting. Number three would be Uncanny X-Force by Rick Remender. That just, I, I love that story to death. I thought it was just a good story, and I, I will talk about it at one point. Number four will be Nailbiter. Because, to me, I feel like Nailbiter just, it nailed that out. And number five. You know what? This is going to be one that I didn't expect to put it in there for myself. And it's one that built up over time. And I'm going to say Oblivion Song. And number just because I feel as though Robert Kirkman just... When I talked about it in my podcast, previous episode for Oblivion Song, like it's just that good. And that's why I put it as my number five. And you guys can tell, you know, I have a... A giant love for Green Lantern. Of course, I have a love for X-Men. You know, and then indie, two indie titles that... If you guys had asked me probably four or five years ago... I might not even thought about, you know, putting in there. Actually, what I'm going to do is... I feel... I'm going to take out Chris Claremont's X-Men run because of one thing... It's because I always feel as though a lot of, just for personally to me, Chris Claremont's X-Men run is in itself so good that I feel that I really shouldn't even try to put it on that list. It's something I tell I would suggest people to read itself. So I what I'm going to do is I'm going to bump up Uncanny X-Force to take its spot. Because, I mean, who... If you spend 18 years on one title, you know, and you're just consistently just knocking out the park, you know, at that point, and there's really, he's already kind of won, and there's no, at least to me, he's already kind of won, and at that point, I feel it could be kind of unfair for me to try and throw him on there, at least to me. So I'm going to put number three 
and this is one that I, I had to think about real quick, was Jason Aaron's Thor, God of Thunder. And, dude, that story was just amazing. And I will talk. I will cover that one as well. I can't remember if I covered it on the old podcast, but I will talk about it at some point. But, uh, yeah. I figured I'd cover Nailbiter, and then I'd throw in a little extra for you guys. Figured my top five, you know, favorite titles that, you know, to me, I always felt that, like, if I had to go read anything, those would be the titles. Would be that. So, definitely, if you guys haven't read Nailbiter, pick it up. You guys can find it at whether your local comic book shop, you know, or wherever you get your comic books, or whether you go to Comixology, wherever you want to go for it, go get them. It's it's worth it, to be honest. And I think you'll be surprised at, you know, when I say it's that good, it really is that good. So, with that being said, hopefully you guys enjoy it. Hopefully this kind of adds to your whole, you know, creepy and criminal month. I figured that would just be something cool to add into it. I figured, you know, the Black Monday murders would be something different. And I figured Nail Butter would be something to kind of throw in there. I figured it's about time I covered it. So, I don't know. I might do another, I guess, extra story. I don't know yet. I'll have to kind of think about it. But, uh, yeah. In case you guys are wondering, I think this Friday I am going to do the Variety Podcast. So, that will get released. So with uh, that being said, you guys have a great day and uh, later.